0: so a very good day welcome to europe calling our date today is the 19th of february 2024. okay looking at our skies uh well not a lot of cloud around uh the the mountains look a little bit sort of fuzzy rather than clear today but all in all it's not a bad day is it come on we're into february OK, so obviously as our thoughts and prayers are with everybody uh, around the world, suffering in wars and catastrophes and all sorts of difficult things, let me welcome uh, barbara Ann to the podcast. So a very good day. Welcome to you, barbara Ann.
1: Hello, Vince. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's a beautiful day. Um, about, I think, in the garden, it was 22 degrees, which is not bad for February.
0: Gets a bit misleading, doesn't it, at times? Because you can go on one side of the road here. And you know it's sort of quite cold or cool, yeah. and you need yeah, to. Yeah, if you're
1: not in the sun, uh, I, I agree because uh, lots of people that live mostly in England think that we have sunshine uh, 24/7 all the way around the wo- uh, No, ar- around the year. But as you say, you only have to go be on the wrong side of the road. It's it's cooler, and especially when the sun goes down, the temperature drops. Uh, quite quite dramatically down to about 10 so yes we don't have the heat all year thank goodness anyway
0: now we were listening to uh, some of the people who have come over to start a new life on the Costa Blanca uh, as we met them last night people from Wales and we've met people from Ireland and the weather seems to have been a big factor this year doesn't it
1: Definitely, you know, as as you say, they're new to living here, they've sold up in England, um and they're ready to start their new life here. Um, I would think semi-retired or practically retired, but not, you know, 60, 65, so still plenty of life in them. Um and they've just said they've had enough of the weather and different things that are happening uh in England and Wales and the whole of the UK really. So they think it's a lot happier here. People are happier. I think it's because of the sun, because it does make you feel terrible when you've got rain every day and dark grey skies. So I can see um, one of the reasons we... Not the only reason, but it definitely is a factor, the weather.
0: Yeah. OK, well, look, uh, it's Europe calling, and today we look at the newspapers. Yeah. Uh, so let me just... Um Have a quick look at our lead story, according to the paper I'm looking at. Um, I've got all sorts going on uh, at the moment. Um, Notifications coming through on the computer, which I don't ask for. Um, I've got videos on the computer screen. And all these things are distractions, Um, you know, from what we used to do. We used to be able to read a newspaper. You'd uh, decide that you'd go into a quiet area and uh, you'd read your newspaper. And so I'm looking today at the headlines uh, of uh, the top story in the paper. Cancer-stricken grandmother, a 90-year-old, unknowingly cheated death for 21 years after husband kept her terminal diagnosis a secret from her and only told her shocked family at her eulogy. So obviously, I'll look a little bit further down and uh, just see a little bit more of the detail into the story. And uh, this is a very um, sort of very ordinary-looking lady, uh, Rose Gamp from Edgware in London, and she died from a uh, separate illness, age ninety, in April, twenty twenty-one, and was um, completely unaware. Uh, The doctors had um, dealt her a death sentence in 1999 after she uh, uh, knowingly signed up to a trial. Um, Well, I mean, you know, where do you go with that one? So the story really is about the fact that um, her husband didn't tell her that she had this death sentence hanging over And as far as I'm concerned, you know, it would appear from what we're reading that she benefited from not knowing. So, um, what what do you think of that story?
1: Well, I don't really know. I mean, uh, you know, how many times have doctors told people now that uh, they've only got, you know, six months, 12 months to live because it's terminal? Uh, Some people do give up. I do. I agree with that. You know, because uh, we've had people that have overcome cancer, uh, breast cancer, ma- mo- mainly, sorry, mainly, um, and it's because they are strong and they don't, they won't give up. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> would she, would she have um, been different, a different person, if she knew that was hanging over her head? Definitely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's natural to sort of worry that if someone says you've You've got a terminal il- illness and it's up to the individual person how they deal with it, whether they're a strong person, a weak person, uh, you know. So, yes, I think she, he did very well. And also, obviously, the diagnosis wasn't that correct, was it, you know?
0: You see, the thing really for me is that uh, we're all on a borrowed time. I mean, the, the minute that you're born... Uh, you are, in fact, on borrowed time. And therefore, uh, you know, probably if somebody said to you, uh, you will live um, X number of years and in the uh, month of February on the 20th, uh, I'm afraid you depart this late life. I mean, you would prefer probably not to know. I mean, the, the uncertainty of life is probably what we obviously get through with, isn't it?
1: I think so I think if it was me for instance and I think also I can speak for you if it was a diagnosis that could could or could not happen in the future f- mainly cancer um I think and you're feeling well and you look well and everything's going all right um and they put s- put you on some drugs and but I would think I would rather n- not know because um I think like this lady, she's lasted another 20 years after having a diagnosis. I mean, some people are given a diagnosis and they last 10 years or five years or more when they've said it could be months. So I think, you know, I I would rather not know. Unless I think when you want to know is when you're like really ill and, you know, you're weak and then you do know, you know, that it's going to be terminal. But if you're fit and, and look well and you're eating and everything, I think I'd just rather not know.
0: Well, well apparently she um, signed up for a trial with this uh, now-proven drug which um, halted her breast cancer, stopping the disease dead in its track and giving her extra years of life. Uh, this is according to the uh, story. Uh, but, I mean, realistically, if you know that you've got a problem what are you likely to do about it you you more than likely worry about it and i think um sometimes ignorance is probably bliss isn't it
1: yeah yeah but i think if you if sometimes it's the opposite because if you're worrying about something and you go to the doctor and you have not not just him telling you but you have a a specific test to say it isn't what you're thinking then the worry is lifted off your shoulders. I think sometimes people do worry about certain symptoms that people say, "Oh, that's a symptom of this, and that's a symptom of that," and certain people worry about that without going to to um, to find out for sure. And the people that do find out for sure, uh, and there's nothing, it must be like a big cloud taken off you that you don't you're worrying about something un- unnecessarily, you know.
0: Do you think there's an element at the moment in the world, certainly, um, of people who basically are not as trusting of health professionals as we would have been in the past, certainly when you see the stories discrediting the need for um, wearing masks all the time and knowing full well that the politicians were doing one thing and explaining that everybody else has got to do another. I mean, this doesn't really lend itself to um, openness and trust, does it?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, <coughs> it's all coming out the, out, the wo- out the woodwork now, isn't it? That things sh- uh, shouldn't have been done the way they were. Um, as far as the, <coughs> the masks are concerned, I think that was absolutely ridiculous here in Spain. You could be having a meal on the pavement outside a restaurant, which you didn't need a mask on. And you're talking and laughing and maybe coughing or whatever you're doing. And then, then people walking past um, as, uh, you know, on, on the pavement, they had to wear a mask. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And friends of ours had a permanently um, water bottle in the hand. And if a policeman stopped in the car or whatever, or they didn't because they, they you know, they said they were having a drink. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was so unnecessary. It didn't stop anything. People used to wear dirty masks Um, I I mean, I'm not saying mine was dirty, but it was used many times. It wasn't a fresh mask every day. Um, It's there to prevent um, like coughs and sneezes. I think now people could understand. If I had a really bad cold and I wanted to go to the shops and you couldn't go, I would most probably wear a mask because I don't want to infect anybody else with my cold. Um, But as far as wearing them, all day and every day, you know, I thought, I just thought that was, um, and having supposedly the jabs were supposed to stop you getting it, it was all, I would say, very unnecessary.
0: And of course, all this business about, um Putting detergent into the shops before you go in, oh, and and yet, mm. if ever you went to a bank where the money was being where dispensed, ca- yeah,
1: where the where the till was, they never disinfected the outside. We call them cacas. I don't know. Um, cacas. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, the pay, they just pay machine them, yeah. outside the outside, sorry, the bank that was never washed down or, or cleansed or anything. I mean, there was one rule for one, and, and another rule for something else. You know, so.
0: OK, let's have a look at a headline here that says Chinese lawyer, 54, who married 94 year old millionaire widower 11 months before his death, is sued by his daughter after she was cut out of his, his will. Now, uh, would you read that story? Would you want to read that story? Um, what do you think of that one?
1: Well, I wouldn't read it in depth, put it like that, but I would say it's uh, quite a uh, common thing, I think, that the family would be absolutely furious that the father married somebody younger and all that carry on. But you don't know the details. I mean, he might not—he might have been estranged from his daughters, or his sons or whoever. They might not have visited, visited him for years. They might have just you know, wanted money off him all the time. There's lots of things why he did that, um she might have been very kind to him and and uh, in his final years um and gave him attention which i'm afraid some families forget um i used to work in a nursing home and um mostly the patients would say oh my son my daughter oh he's so busy that's why he doesn't come and see me very often and I always make excuses up i think no matter what, you should always make time for your parents, even if it's only phone calls or f- uh, on a regular basis every day. A little one-minute phone call makes a big difference to anybody. Um, and then when some relatives would come, especially children, would uh, adult children would come to see their parents, they'd literally stay five or ten minutes, which used to really upset me. Um, and the, the the parent would never never say anything. They say, "Oh, he's got to rush off, or she's got to rush off. She's very busy, bloody blah." If you go to see somebody in in a nursing home, you make time for them. You give that you take them out for if they can, f- for um, a tea or, or whatever. You go in the gardens and you spend time with them. You don't stay five or ten minutes and rush off. I I used to hate that, but you know that's that's what it is, isn't it? You know.
0: Well, I have to be very honest with you. I would not look at that story. It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do particularly with anybody I know. Uh, I did quickly glance to see that uh, the guy comes from Norfolk, uh, but he obviously came in from China. I mean, I'm not in the slightest interested. It's nothing to do with my life. And uh, so that's not one that I'd read. But uh, we'll go to the next one and said uh, see that... Um, There's a Dr. Max Pemberton that writes for the Mail Online and he has said, I took Ozempic, this is the priorities as they are appearing in the paper, I took Ozempic to control my appetite and found it had another incredible side effect. Now, would you want to read that one?
1: Um, Well, I want to know what Optantic was, I suppose. You know, what is it? I mean, it sounds like a weird thing and if... You know, if you don't know what it is, you know, what the side effects are, you you wouldn't, uh, you know, you'd, you'd not want to take
0: it. Well, I mean, you see, the thought that goes across my mind is that if you've got to control your appetite, uh, mainly it's a question of your will that you need to control. Exactly. So if you haven't got willpower, then obviously every time you see a big green bun, you'll want to get tucked in and uh, enjoy it. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know as well as I do, y- you know, um, I... I deliberately won't eat certain things, especially if I don't need them, you know.
1: Well, especially, it's a well-known fact that you think you feel hungry and all that. You drink uh, a glass of water um, and it takes the hunger pain or the, the urge to eat something. So people should, in general, drink a lot more water than they do and that is a very common thing that people don't do. It's good for everything. It's good for your health. It's good for your um, your skin, you know, to keep it um, supple and things like that. But I do know lots of people say, oh, I don't drink enough water. And that's my advice to everyone. Try and drink at least, at least two pints of water a day, plus your teas and coffees in between.
0: Remembering, we're looking at the clickbait. These are the little teasers that are in the paper uh, for you to click on and read. Now, um, you know, uh, as I say, for me, uh, just unfortunately, you see, because they put the word incredible, most people will immediately think, oh, if it's in incredible, what does incredible mean? So incredible means that you don't believe it. It's not credible. That's why it's incredible. And you know as well as I do, if these things were so wonderful... You wouldn't have a proliferation, which means a lot of um, different diets being trying to be sold to people everywhere that you look.
1: Well, the whole world um, sort of says that uh, a lot of people are, are obese in the world, right? But when you go on to Facebook, for instance, and they give you, oh, this incredible uh, two five-minute, a couple of minutes, ten, minute, ten seconds, I think it was, trick to put in your coffee, one was in coffee, one was in some other thing, uh, bananas and things, and you hear this long and lengthy um, video about, you know, Sony's lost so many pounds, blah-de-blah. And at the end of it, what did they say? Oh, to cover our cost, it is only gonna cost you whatever. If they were really, really bothered, I mean, the governments and all these scientists were really, really bothered about people being obese, they would give that information for free because they say you could do it in your own home, you don't need drugs, blah. but suddenly at the end of the video, oh, but here how is you don't have to mix it yourself. We'll uh, send you the tablet or the powder which is properly mixed in the right dimensions and blah de blah. You know, it's a load of it it's really it it's makes you get angry because I'm not a, I'm not obese. But I do feel sorry for people who listen to these videos. And, you know, there's so many of them. Which ones are true? Okay, we're
0: looking at the headlines. So I'll move to uh, the next headline and we'll see what we can find. You're listening to Europe Calling With Barbara Ann and Vince Tracy. Okay, so here's a story which we won't do now because obviously um, I'll cover this story when I talk to Rob about football on Thursday. But uh, Birmingham City manager Tony Mowbray is struck down by a mystery disease. Uh, Now then. He's just been replaced. He's just replaced um, Wayne Rooney, in actual fact. So, um, really, when you actually look at these stories and you think to yourself, "Well, hang on, you know, um, uh, why would a a football manager who ostensibly is working in, in an area where they should be thinking health and fitness, why would he be struck down?" Now, as I was doing that. I'm actually um, trying to look at this online paper and immediately they've uh, sort of changed everything. This is what they do all the time. So this is so that you can have another batch of adverts in different places on the screen in front of you. And I'm looking at a story which uh, is as follows. £13 an hour. Ecuadorian cleaner at London law firm Is sacked for eating leftover tuna sandwich she found in meeting room. Okay, so this girl is there as a cleaner, and uh, obviously she's um, gone into clean. And let's just see underneath the story: a cleaner is suing a city law firm which uh, earns 46 million a year after she claims she was fired for eating a leftover sandwich. The single mother from ecuador launched the claim after she worked for her agency that was contracted to london corporate law firm devonshires representatives of the united voices of the world uh, union uh, which supports migrant workers said she was sacked just before christmas uh, this lady is 39 and was sad to have been fired from her 13 pound an hour job For the theft of a leftover tuna sandwich, which was uh, due uh, to the. It was going to be thrown away. So, okay, let's unpack that one because really there is a bit that uh, we can talk about and discuss. The fact that obviously somebody is paid £9 an hour, sorry, £13 an hour, wasn't it, Mm. um, to clean uh, is. Uh, probably minimum wage sort of territory, so it's not a lot of money. And uh, basically, if there's food going to waste, um, why would she get fired for something like that, in your opinion? What do you think?
1: Well, I don't know. You know, it's just pettiness, isn't it? I mean, it'd be somebody who's, uh, you know, coming into that room, seeing her maybe take it or whatever, and is more sort of, thinks she's more superior than her, than... um, you know, some people don't appreciate cleaners in offices in general or cleaners anywhere, like in the streets. Uh, if we didn't have cleaners, I'll tell you, the place would be in a right mess because some people don't know <coughs> how to clear up after themselves and uh, cleaners uh, should be valued a lot more. If it was, an, um, non, non, you know, like uh, they've obviously had a meeting in the morning or whatever and they've left, like you do, you have... Sandwiches and coffee and cakes and biscuits on the centre table, which I do know happens. If there was one left over, what the heck is, what, what, what's the problem? For go- so it's obviously somebody not very nice has decided she thinks that this woman, uh, you know, deserves to have the sack. I mean, how heartless is that just before Christmas and okay. with a young family?
0: I have uh, another way of looking at this because I felt, felt just like you did. And then I thought, supposing she ate what uh, the, the tuna sandwich and suddenly developed a really bad bug, I have a feeling that the litigation might be... That uh, the company uh, should not have allowed that food to be there, and so I mean the the law can be so silly these days that yeah, you could but, see but litigation yeah. and the firm actually being fined for her um, eating something um, that was left.
1: I think that's a bit a bit sort of. Extreme because if they've had those sort of sandwiches on the centre table, for instance, everyone in that room have been eating them, and there's been one left over. So they'd all be ill, wouldn't they? You know. Well, no, so no, 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 no. Not if um, not
0: if a period of time had gone by, and maybe a fly had gone on the t- no. tuna sandwich or something like that. Yeah, that's you know extreme. Well, of course but it's extreme, but then again, the whole point about f- discussing things like this. Well, I
1: don't think she would. She would have um, complained. Because she's done something that she shouldn't have done anyway. So she can't turn around to that company and say, oh, it was your sandwich. Well, they would say, well, you shouldn't have taken the sandwich. OK.
0: I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong, but that's the way I would look at that, which is slightly different, obviously, from the way you look at it as we look at our next headline which is baby is found dead alongside girl age 3 and boy 7 in little home as a woman aged 42 is arrested for murder after cops visited property over concern for welfare weeks earlier. Then a little bit further down, officers tragically found a boy a 7, girl 3 and a 10 month old boy at a wh- home in Blaze Walk in the city's northern suburbs in the early hours of Sunday morning. Well, this is absolutely, um, it's just a desperately sad story to read. But I think that you'd probably see something in that that maybe other people won't immediately see. But I think a lot of people will see these things these days uh, because we were talking privately about it before because we heard it on the news. So tell me what you think.
1: Well, obviously... Absolutely devastating for the extended family of that of that lady and the children obviously. but again you've got to deep in you know look into this. You, the way the world is at the moment or the way England sorry is at the moment and other places the desperate um, the food uh, the, the bread line people are on breadline. the wages aren't going up. they go to food banks which some people most probably absolutely hate going to food banks. But it's a necessity. I've never known food banks in all my life when I was young, so that's one thing. She might have been mentally uh, de- um, sort of um, disturbed by the way things are going. I'm not saying she she is. But to actually kill her own children, she might not want them to be in the world that we're, we're, we're actually living in at the moment. She might see it in, in another way that she'd rather her children not live their life because the world is so horrible at the moment and she couldn't see any future for them but you would have to be mentally uh, disturbed to do something like that because she didn't as you know she didn't kill herself so there's there's lots of other things she might have not been able to feed them all wondering where was the husband there's no mention of a man or, or it doesn't have to be a husband where's her partner i mean one of the children was only a baby so she's obviously had a had a relationship uh, in the last say year so uh, there's lots of reasons and if she is under uh scrutiny from the social services um there's something more going on there than you d- you don't you don't do that sort of thing without you feeling um without you being mentally disturbed i think
0: Okay. Uh, She is described, by the way, or was described, as being a very lovely person, uh, which would tend to make me think very much more like uh, what you've said. Uh, And the the trouble really is that the world is a very, very different place uh, at various times, uh, you know, even during our lives. I mean, you did say that you never mentioned or you never saw food banks. But, for example, in Britain, we had... um, we had food rationing until 1954. Uh, now, obviously, uh, as a baby, <coughs> excuse me, you, you wouldn't remember that. But um, you see, the thing is, um, my parents—I um, do know—struggled. Um, I do always respect the struggles of my mum and my dad. I always remember that. You know, I didn't particularly get on with my dad for a long time in my life till I was about 16. No, it was probably about 18. And then later in life, you know, when my dad sort of said to me, I'm sorry that, you know, maybe I was a bit rough with you in the early days. And I said, well, you know, don't even think about it because I understand. I did understand how difficult it must have been. And you said something then which really resonates with me. You see these stories in the paper, in the press regarding, you know, what is a a, a female and what is a male and all this transgender um, stuff which really has sort of knocked everybody sideways because when you think about it, there are enough problems with single mothers and being dumped with their children by men who basically haven't got the... um, there is a word which I won't use, but they haven't got the the strength of character mm. to to stand and face their responsibilities. I'm sickened by them as a man.
1: Yeah, they just can walk away, and that's exactly what I would say as well. A woman, a woman, a real woman, um, in the majority of cases, sticks by their children through thick and thin. But unfortunately, some men, not all men obviously, but some men just think. Oh, I've had enough of this screaming kid or I've had enough of uh, I want to go and, you know, go out with somebody else. And they can just walk out the door, especially if they're not married. You know, the kids sometimes say to me, oh, you know, what is marriage? You know, it's only a piece of paper. It isn't just a piece of paper. If you get married in church or you get married wherever, in a whatever circumstance, it doesn't have to be on the beach, but you're married legally, and you have both have responsibility for one another, and when you have children, you are both responsible for your children. But when a man or a woman, I mean, it's not always the man that walks away Vince. I mean, sometimes it's, it's not as of common. But a woman sometimes can walk Well, we away. do know
0: of one case. Sir. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so it isn't always that. But they weren't married, and there's well, no ties uh, ab- apart from her leaving But the that's children. the point
0: of marriage. If you don't have something which is legitimising yeah. and legalising, you're just down to sex and either hit and run, or if you're a good yeah. person, you stay and make sure you look after your I family. Mean, yeah. and, and, and look... this is not a saint speaking uh, or anything like that. I mean, we've all been there and had to sort of change the way that basically we see life. So, you know...
1: But that's what marriage is about, isn't it? The ups and downs, through thick and thin. They're all the vows that you do um, in sickness and in death. These are all the things that if you really love someone and you want to be with them forever until death do us part, that's what it's all about. But if you don't, if you're just friends and you just have your, you know, somebody gets preg or that your partner gets pregnant and you, you fall out of love for whatever reason or something happens, the person can just walk away and there's no financial help, there's no nothing. Oh, yes, there is financial help if you can find that person to pay um, child benefit, uh, you know, child assistance for them. W- but in some cases, the man just goes and... and you never see him again. And that's it.
0: Okay, going to move on. Uh, we've got plenty of things in the headlines to look at and uh, have a look at this one. So, the idea of trawling the paper is basically I'm letting you know what we're looking at on, in our papers, but also. I'm trying to see what would be something that I would look at or not look at, and uh, Barbara Ann see it maybe differently. So we look at uh, a headline here. Woman sleeps next to her brother's rotting corpse for five years as cops discover House of Horrors in affluent Australian suburb. Now, that is a priority story in a British newspaper. And I'm asking myself, why, A, would that be needed to be read by people in Britain. And then secondly, um, it's this business as we've just seen um, uh, in a couple of the other stories, uh, cops, not the police anymore. This is really, it's the way that um, media can uh, sort of undermine the police because cops is like cops and robbers. Police, for me, is a force of people who basically are there to try and protect us so i've got to ask you the question would you want to read that uh, about an australian problem like that
1: well i'd, I'd most probably you when you say you know people used to read the paper yeah you'd look at it but you wouldn't um, dwell over it you don't, know, it'd be like a shock and then you just carry on but as you say why is it in an english newspaper it's horrific i mean it's i mean this is the shock thing that some editors and some journalists want you to it is horrific. I mean, there's horrific things happening in England, so why would you want to know what's happening in Australia? I mean, this is... You know, unheard of isn't it really what happened
0: well I think we've said this once or twice before and uh, I will say it again that um, you know when we go back into uh, our own childhood I can remember from the age of 10 I think was the first th- thing that I ever really took note of and I'd remembered my d- mum and dad had allowed me it was a big privilege for me to go on a bus uh, it was only about I don't know, probably 10 stops. But I was going up to see my friend who lived in another part of Birkenhead and uh, they were going to allow me to go and play football. And uh, in the course of the football, um, you know, there'd be about 10 of us playing on a field. We found out that um, there had been a murder on the local housing estate. And I always remember that they used to call this the pillbox murder now uh, this is when probably as I say I would be about the age of 10 and that story stayed with the, the society the um, the local people for uh, it was for, for weeks on end um, it was almost as if it was well it was I mean it was sort of a time when if you had a murder it was something that was absolutely incredibly different so what's changed it um, Okay, so, well, let's just discuss that one. How has the uh, life changed know, so drastically?
1: I know, I know, and it's, it's awful, really because, as you say, that was, what, oh, 50, 50 years ago, and you still remember it. But now, it, it's so sad because you hear every single day, especially now, things of young, young people, I mean, 15, 14, 16, beginning of their lives, and... I'm afraid sometimes you say, oh, yeah, that's sad, and you just pass it by. You just go on to the next sort of thing that's happening in your own life because it, it becomes so regular that I'm afraid people... What can I say? How can I say? it? It's not surprising you anymore like it would do if it was a murder once a year or once whatever. It's every day.
0: <coughs> well, OK, look... What's changed over our lifetime? I think it's pretty obvious that the biggest change that's come over our lifetime is television, which then, of course, has been superseded by computers and now access to everything on telephones. And, of course, the fact that we've become uh, absolutely immediate by the fact that we've got these um, uh, satellites which can beam down a story from another part of the globe, like we've just been reading about, um, from a story in Australia, which we don't need to know about. So my question really is, who who is making this happen and why is it happening? Is it really all about money or is it... As part of the conspiracy theory, uh, is it really that some group of people are trying to make us all insignificant and worry?
1: Yeah, or is it a lack of news in England? You know, some I mean, we've seen some um, films, for instance, about journalists, and they're all, you know, hellbells uh, on uh, finding the most incredible story that, you know, that really isn't that important. But they blow it up to make it such, you know, so important that people start reading it, you know. But it's not important. I at want all. to stick
0: with this theme because <coughs> I've got a, a a line I want to really look at with you, which is basically um, everybody's gone a lot more violent. We've had we haven't had sort of major wars, apart from, obviously, uh, those poor people suffering in the likes of Ukraine and Gaza and various other places now. But realistically, you'd expect, ho- hopefully, that people would be better. But but t- for me, it's pretty obvious. And I don't see the challenge anywhere. The challenge has got to be the television screen, the type of films that people are now being exposed exposed to, uh, the video games. Um, but, I mean, if everything is violent, then obviously it's going into your minds as violence. Now, I can discount video games because I don't, I've never played them, never wanted to play them. But when I go to my TV set, I am now finding it desperately difficult to watch anything worthwhile without being subjected to violence or gratuitous sex.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I would say 80% of programmes now say at the beginning, this could offend people, it's uh, sex or violence from the very beginning, you know, and and that's, qu- again, we're accepting that. I mean, we're saying, oh, well, you know, it's sort of like um, a standard thing to say these days, but... Well, the it's, vi- a disc- it's a disclaimer, isn't it? The, um, the video games... Have, uh, you know, we, we've been lucky with our children or our boys. They've never really been interested in video games because they've always been very sporty. They like to go out and play things and be in a team. But the, I, from what I can see, some of the video games are so all about killing and shooting and whatever. And I don't care what you say. It must make an impact on certain people it doesn't obviously affect every single person because h- thousands and millions of people do video games, but a percentage of those people, they're the people I think could possibly be future killers or have it in their mind that that's what they wanted, you know, be violent. You know, why would you want in in, in America, for instance, own guns um, and allow your children to learn how to shoot a gun? Fair enough, you know, But it's not the way you want to live, is this having your children, learning how to do guns?
0: I think the problem really is is that, um, you know, America is spoken of as if it's a country. And I think we've all sort of accepted that it's the United States of America. But each of those states is really a country. So if you have got 50 countries where, you know, there is the possibility of owning a gun, we've not grown up with that in certainly uh, Britain or, you know, again, I mean, you look at Britain, I'm asked to uh, hold a British passport. There's no such country as Britain. Britain is four countries. And the trouble is we all accept and we have to accept uh, things which we know are, I was nearly going to use uh, the wrong word, but nonsensical. How can I be British? Hello, I'm British. Part of me is Irish, part of me is Welsh, part of me is Scottish, and another part, the major part, is English. I'm English, that's what I am. And my grandparents were Irish. That's who I am. But, no, uh, I have to have a British passport. Now, why? My uh, suspicion is that they try to diminish England... They can't do it for England on its own, so we have to be included as British now. But there we are. Um, okay. Yeah,
1: but just very quickly, you, we only spoke to somebody on Sunday, and uh, he he spoke English. I said, oh, you're on holiday from England? And he goes, ha, ha, well, actually, I'm I'm from Scotland, and he had a strong... And people that are from Scotland, Wales, Ireland are fiercely proud of their, their uh, heritage, but when we say we're English, we're, we're, we're told that we're being, um, what is it? Um
0: Nationalistic or no, yeah, like, zingo- uh, no, um zingoistic? Never mind. We're being told it's not right for us to have our own nationality, which yeah. doesn't make sense to me. No. Okay, I'm going to look at uh, an article which is looking at the ways that you can be scammed. Now, I would want to read that. Uh, you don't really use the computer as much, but you do. Um, you do use a telephone, and this is saying the five scams you've never heard of but could get caught out uh, in 2024. Would you click on that and want to read it? Okay, you wouldn't. My face, uh, your face tells me that. Well, you
1: uh, always tell me don't click on anything you don't know. So good. I, I don't click on anything I don't know. Um, As you know, I'm not computerized or I'm not interested in computers, never have been. I'm a people's person, I like to talk face to face or just on the phone. Okay,
0: but you use your phone, so I'm going to quickly look at these and make sure you know what they are. (music) So, the first one is called spear phishing. Now, we know phishing is like, you know, trying to get information off us, Uh, but this one is um, fraudsters now employing a more targeted approach, and it's this spear phishing. They are compromising victims' data and using that personal information to make targeted attacks, convincing them that these people that are the scammers are the real organisation, These attacks use data that has previously been collected by scammers from mass data breaches, social media profiles or previous scams, etc. So they uh, have a cold call uh, asking for sensitive information from their customers. Uh, Now, I came across one of these the other day because somebody sent me an email um, purporting to come from a bank. It's not my bank, by the way but basically uh, I immediately knew that it was a scam. Now, would you know if that uh, you got a message from a bank that wasn't yours, what well, would you
1: do? I definitely, I, I know that scam, and uh, there's been a fantastic uh, programme that comes on BBC every so often about scammers and how they phone people up and say that <clears throat> they are the bank. And somebody has um, in, you know, gone into their account and you've got to change, uh, all that. I mean, I know that. And I don't know how many times people have to be told that one because I would never, ever disclose my PIN number. Um, I wouldn't speak to anyone on the bank because I would go to the bank. That's what you're told to do. You, you'd Even if you put the phone down, they, they've got their line open. So you think the next phone call is to the bank. So n- never, ever do any transactions on, on a phone, never, nope. ever. Okay,
0: now the next one is called tap jacking, and I hadn't heard of this myself. Scammers can now hijack your smoked smartphone screen forcing you to perform actions on your phone without realizing so it shows an overlay on your phone screen which appears clickable but in reality it's merely an image which prevents you from seeing what you actually are tapping on in a mobile game for example you may appear to be engaging with game elements but in fact your clicks are making in-app purchases or signing up to a subscription via an invisible scream underneath the phone. So, uh, had you heard of that one?
1: No, because basically it, it doesn't affect me. I haven't got a smartphone. I've just got a basic, uh, you know, um, what do they call it, Android phone. So, no, I haven't heard of it. But again, I just, I'm not involved in things like that, so it really wouldn't even worry me.
0: OK, the next one is called Quishing. Uh, Q-U-I-S-H-I-N-G, another phishing spin-off. Scammers use these QR codes to lead victims to fake login pages where they can take your details or make you sign up to expensive subscriptions without realising it. Um, Some of these are sent via email disguised as legitimate communications. I don't like QR codes. Really, I don't like even clicking on them in a restaurant. Give me a menu, please, so I can read it uh, in Spanish or English, uh, even French. Even I don't mind reading it in those languages. But I don't like clicking on a code and having to get it on my phone. Well,
1: that's all started, didn't it, after COVID? I mean, we also always had menus here. We still do have menus, but you have to ask for them nine times out of ten. I always make the excuse up that I haven't got my glasses with me and I haven't got that type of phone, which is true anyway. So y- th- that's really all started after COVID. So you didn't have to touch the paper, and oh, you know all this. No, I was, was going to say a naughty word then, but anyway, it it it, it has a, it's going more sort of t- for the younger generation, like you know they're 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 used to using the phone and putting it over the barcode, and the older generation, in general, aren't used to that. I mean, it's all geared up for the younger generation and unfortunately anybody really over even 55 uh, you know you're on a lost course really unless you are up with your because
0: you know. we weren't educated at school I mean I'm, I'm okay but I know that it's very difficult for everybody else that's never been sort of educated that way. The next one is AI, artificial uh, intelligence and deep fake scams. Now, they can do anything these days. They can even uh, take a bit of your um, video of yourself. Uh, They can take your voice. That's why when I answer my phone now, um, I won't really give my voice. But unfortunately, now, you know, I I podcast. So, you know, I should imagine that um, that makes you vulnerable. But what can you do? Do you do do nothing? Do you not have a life just because there's wicked, evil people who want to uh, just make things really not nice for anybody? So there we are. Did you know about that one?
1: No, no. I'm lucky, really, and I think a lot of people like me are very lucky because we don't get involved in things like that. We've got more things to worry about than our flipping phone all the time. You know, so... Now I know about it, I would most probably say to somebody, oh, did you know that? But it's usually the young people, Vince, isn't it? It's not really our thing uh, to be involved on the phone 24-7. You know, what sickens me is when you see a young couple or even a group of uh, young people, I'm talking up to 35 or up to whatever, with a young family, and they don't even talk to one another, they're just on the phones. We just find it so incredible. It's happening all the time, not just the odd occasion. It's almost like love has gone out the window. I mean, if you see a man and a woman, a young couple, (coughs) for for goodness sake, put your phone down. I completely
0: enjoy... Uh, not looking at my telephone now. Then I'm looking at another headline: couple forced to rescue a trapped driving instructor from four foot of floodwater while emergency crews stand by because they are only allowed to go in waist high. Would you want to know a bit more about that story?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I think I would because
0: I, I certainly mm. would. So let's have a look. <laughs> Okay, so um, filmmaker Jamie Price and his partner uh, waded into the water because the motorist looked like he was drowning when they arrived at the scene. This was in Essex, and two Essex fire and rescue. Crews, an ambulance and a policeman uh, or police officers were parked near the stricken vehicle. But, Mr Price said, he was shocked to see the emergency services were not doing more to help. He said, I asked them, why are you not going in the water? And they said that specific crews have different level of training for different situations. They were waiting for some specialist crews, but because the water level was actually four foot five inches. Uh, four to five, four point five feet, actually, is, is what it is, and they were only allowed to go in at waist height. Mr. Price said they feared the specialised crews would not arrive in time because they were coming from Colchester, and uh, they decided to take action themselves. That's it's dreadful, that, isn't it?
1: Well, <coughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable in some ways because. If the call came through on the emergency 999, um, they'd know it was involving water. they know the location. They, know sh- they should know how deep that location would be. So they'd send the specialist ones, you know, more rapid and quickly than the local people. I mean, it looks worse, doesn't it, if you've got emergency services just standing by. That looks worse, you know, to me. And it's a natural thing for most, most people that can swim to um, to get in, you know, to try and go in and help.
0: Okay. Right, um, we'll look at this story here. If, like you, uh, or more like myself, I, I would like to look a bit more into this one. The simple trick that nailed £130,000 bike theft gang in a single day. So why can't every force in Britain copy the ingenuity of the London coppers whose sting will make you want to cheer? Again, looking at that headline, we've now got uh, London coppers. (coughs) If you remember, we had cops earlier. Now it's coppers, London coppers. It's subtle and it's uh, subversive because basically... They make the police become less significant. I'll read you what the story says. Detective Constable Matt Cooper could hardly believe what he was seeing. Row upon row of the most expensive and sought-after bicycles in the UK, all snatched from the City of London, some whole, others in uh, pieces, in what amounted to the biggest haul of its kind in the police force's history. I was just shocked, he tells me. We had tracked one stolen bike to a plant... Uh, Higher business in East London and found about 60 more um, th- this is really um, all these bikes, I'm reading a bit further on quickly, hanging up on rails, bikes stacked up everywhere, there were about £130,000 worth <laughs> it was hard to take in detective constable uh, cooper and a small team of officers from the city of london police had just cracked a huge criminal operation but they hadn't spent months and millions are doing it they had infiltrated the gang's lair and arrested its kingpins in less than a single shift
1: well that's f- fantastic uh, you know I, I i think the police do a fantastic job uh, anywhere in the world in general um, because if we didn't have the police force I don't know what state the world would be in.
0: OK, well, uh, Anne's struggling a bit with a cough and um, I'm just going to look at one last story and then uh, I'll put her out of her m- misery. Let's have a quick look. And the story is that teachers in the UK are urged to search pupils for phones As Gillian Keegan unveils, four-way school can ban mobiles, including staff collecting devices every morning. But will it ever work? That's according to the newspaper. Will it work? Now, um, I would imagine that if if the schools don't sort of get this sorted out now, They'll never sort it out um, because, quite honestly, um, I'm reading this paper again. I, I don't know if you've noticed in the English newspapers, we're all moms now. We're not moms in Britain. It's M-U-M-S, mums. Uh, it, this shows me quite clearly that the paper is now Americanized. It shows me quite clearly that, unfortunately, BlackRock and Vanguard do have, unfortunately, the um, monopoly on everything we see. And uh, it looks to me like, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, everybody's given up on the fact that um, the um, the Americans are taking over. You only have to look at the football uh, these days, the Premier League. You've got to listen to uh, incessant droning of American adverts, which drives you mad. Um, OK phones in classrooms give us your thoughts
1: definitely not definitely not um you know because as i was saying before you know the kids are on the phone a a lot of kids i would say not i'll keep on saying not all but a lot of kids uh they can't survive without the phone you know you see them coming out of school and i would say 99 percent have got a phone in the hand looking basically because they've mostly had to turn it off in school and they think oh there's got to be you know some urgent message that they've got to and it's not it's all tick tock and things like that anyway that's my first thing but um definitely uh we were talking about the americans and the adverts and things like that english in general people men i should say and women sorry love the football and a big gro- and you you're inbred with your football team wherever it might be and exactly the same happens in America. It's inbred. Um, f- um, American football and baseball is that—that that is the key, key um, sport. And you're never going to change an American or an Englishman to suddenly go absolutely bonkers over baseball and American football. It, it's just not possible. The only thing is that's happening is it's the American money that's coming in, and you know Sky TV and things like that. But I just can't see the sense of having an advert for America that you can't buy you can't, there's no way you can buy whatever the advert is if you're going to put an advert on, put an Engli- you know something that you can buy in England. I just think that's so stupid really it's it's a really bad mistake on the um on well, the television side Well, well,
0: it's not a mistake. this is deliberately. The Americans trying to take over yeah, but why and American mean? money, unfortunately, is uh, it's able to change people's cultures. If if they watch enough of this rubbish, it goes on and on and on. No. And then we'll all be believing that there is transgender uh, in, in huge numbers, not 0.03% oh, yeah, of but I, 1%. Yeah, that,
1: but I'm, I'm talking about adverts that say you could buy this for a dollar and all that and the food... You know, that's not not, no no interest whatsoever to an English person. You know, he can't do it or she can't buy them. Well, just just staying with
0: the phones, Uh, several studies have found links between telephone use and poor mental health among children, including anxiety, depression and low esteem. And there are growing concerns that pupils are using mobiles to bully each other and for sexual harassment. Let me also tell you that apparently it's still an option for the head of the school, whichever uh, head maybe is in place. So therefore, the problem is being caused to an extent by weak head teachers who are not making strong enough decisions and making sure the staff um, make sure the the kids stay safe. I'm really annoyed about this one. As a teacher, I'm afraid it offends the fact that I went and spent uh, years allegedly learning techniques and knowing how to behave in a school, etc., etc. Unfortunately, uh, it's weak government and weak management in schools for me. Anyway... What do you think?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, (coughs) they're quick enough to, you know, talking about uh, sex and all that, they're quick enough to teach young children things that they don't need to be taught at the age of five and upwards. Um, You know, that that came in very quickly and slyly, wasn't it? You know, parents didn't know that their children were being taught about things like that. Um, No question of that. Um, But to just say you either leave your phone at home or you leave it in your bag and you do not, and you turn it off. It's quite a simple thing to do. Okay,
0: know? are our thoughts um, uh, extreme? I'll read you one comment. They don't need to take any mobile phone to school. This is according to one of the comments. Kids also don't need 500 plus smartphones. Why aren't parents setting boundaries? I left school in 2005 and I had a mobile phone, but unless I was going on a school trip, I didn't take it with me. Not because I was told to leave it at home or knew uh, they weren't allowed at school, but in case it was damaged, lost or stolen. I valued this piece of plastic tat and respected my mother who bought it for me and paid for the credit on it. Okay, that's it. We've seen enough of the newspapers for today.
1: That is it. (laughs) Okay, everybody. Have a nice week. That's what uh, you get
0: in the papers in the UK if you have to read them.
1: Yeah, be happy. Okay, bye-bye. Have a
0: good day. Bye.